All right, welcome to the TNS Outdoors podcast, episode four. We today are talking about camo. That is kind of the topic. Um, for the Pacific Northwest, we have yeah, what I've seen. There's 12 or 13 brands of camo that are currently you know being used i'm sure there's a lot more these are just kind of the top ones that you hear about um none of them well i'm going to say it off the bat we are sponsored by a brand of camo but i am not going to lead on to what that camo is because i don't wear it and i'll tell you why later on here so in no typical order fashion, these are kind of what I have seen people flocking to, and uh, we'll go from there. So we've got Sidka, First Light, Kuyu, Mossy Oak, Treason, Cryptic, King's Camo, Badlands, Atax, Huntworth, Lost Camo, Multicam, Realtree. Those are the ones that I see mostly out in the... Uh, uh, public, in the woods, you name it. Now, why I want to talk about this is there are certain brands that I'm 100% going to bash. And that's because I can. I'm not sponsored by them, and you will not catch me wearing their stuff. Simply because that's how I feel. Now, off the top of the list, number one, and this is just me, stupidest camo to wear is every person, you go to a sportsman show, what do you see walking around? Everybody wearing their square-toed cowboy boots, their Wranglers, or their Miss Me jeans, and a, and a Sitka jacket. It, to me, has became more of a social status to wear Sitka, the First Light, the Kuyu, the ones that are up at the top, um, that I know guys specifically that have bought Sitka clothes never to even wear it in the field. They wanted a nice camo jacket or a camo pullover to go out in public with because the shit's expensive and to them it shows that they have a social status or a deeper pocketbook or whatever that is not me and I think that that is is pretty stupid when you look back 40 50 60 years ago with our dads our grandpas uh, our great-grandfathers running around in the woods with loud equipment, bows that were sounded like a 22 going off, wearing red plaid, green plaid, and they killed the living shit out of big animals. And I'm going to tell you right now that these animals um, are not adapting to be able to see certain camos or or whatnot. If you were successful back then, 
you should be successful with it now. With that being said, these camouflage companies are not selling you a product that deer cannot see, that elk cannot see. They are selling a pattern that is completely consumer driven. That the consumer either likes the material or the pattern and they think that that's going to work. They see these guys that are hunting on TV that spend thousands of dollars on these hunts whether they're high fence or public land, public draw, they're able to hunt all the way across the U.S., across the world, and they have a camel brand that they rep. That's their job to sell this stuff. So when you see these guys hunting in this attire, and they're killing big bulls, big bucks, big bears, they're super successful, you're automatically, as a normal hunter, Joe Schmo consumer, are going to want to imitate that as 100%. much as possible because you think, in your mind, you can't kill anything without wearing the camo that they were wearing. And it... Uh, that bothers me. It, it bothers me a lot. I hate that we have such a sheep following of these high-end social hunters, social status hunters. Now, I've met a lot of these guys, and they're super cool. And I've, I'm not throwing them particularly under the bus. I'm not going to talk shit about how they hunt. I know that they're putting in the work. They have a, an entire team behind them. This isn't just this one guy that's on camera or whatever that is out there hunting. There is an entire team behind him uh, that is scouting, that is going through with these guys hunting. Um, there's a lot of, lot of eyes that uh, it's not just one set that's out there by himself like a lot of us are. Um, whether we hunt by ourselves or maybe hunt with another guy, um, our jobs aren't specifically hunting. That's not what we normally do 200 days a year. So we maybe not have as much boots on the ground, maybe as much intel. We start scouting in August when bear season starts and that's scouting for our deer and our elk, you know, and we follow that through if, if we are successful or if we aren't successful or we have a specific uh, hunt planned out. You're doing e-scouting. You're, you're definitely putting boots on the ground, but it may be only you and one other guy or maybe a couple of guys, but it isn't an entire uh, army. army, yeah, uh, production crew more or less that is hunting with you and and uh, makes this happen so the social status that some of these higher end and I'm not gonna I say high end because I'm referring to a price 
Um, these certain camo companies um, that have the Sitka, the Kuyu, they are in elite price range. Um, I've looked at a lot of these different camos. I've looked at the prices of what uh, consumer prices and, and everything are on these. And it is flat ridiculous that the prices of some of this camo is so high. When I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to make you any more successful. Um, and it may keep you dry. It may be comfortable to wear, but there's a lot of other brands out there that are, will keep you dry and comfortable that are a third the price. Me specifically, I wear cryptic. I like the cryptic, uh, brand, the way that it fits. I have a little bit different body type than a lot of guys, um, to where I'm, my upper body is a four X. My, waist down I wear like a 42 pant um and with about a 32 inch uh inseam or length to the pants and I have spent several thousand dollars on trying a bunch of different camos and I have found that cryptic works best for me now when you look at cryptic prices they're coming in at around a third to half the price of your Sitkas and QUs. Um, and the pattern, the the two patterns that they have, the, the Nomad and the, uh, what is the other one? There's a green and a tan. Um, I, I use the tan mostly for ducks. I used the green version of it for over here hunting west side deer and elk. Um, and it, it works good for me. Now, back up a little bit and let's, let's figure out what these camos patterns. I'm not talking about manufacturers, but talking about the pattern itself what the overall goal of a camo pattern is. They are meant to break up your silhouette. So if you were standing out there in blue jeans and a, a black sweatshirt, you could very, you have very defined lines of your silhouette when you're looking at your, uh, you know, looking at your buddy that's 50, 60 feet away, you can tell, oh, well, those are his shoulders, his arms, his legs. I mean, they're very, very defined because the background behind him is a totally different uh, aspect or, or color than the clothes that he's wearing. So you want to find a good camo that is going to break up your silhouette. So non-repeating patterns, it's kind of a random pattern that makes it look more or less like a shadow effect. So that's why these guys, you know, they don't just have a very brown camo because then you would look like a stump. I mean, it, we've all seen a stump in the, in the timber and it is definitely looks like a stump. 
uh, if you were just all brown, you would look like a stump or look like a tree possibly. Now, if you start to put shadow effects in there, it almost acts as or makes your appearance kind of disappear. Now, that is to the human eye. So, a couple years ago, I, I tested, well, I didn't go out initially trying to test this out. But I was working um, in the job right before I started the archery shop. And our, our magazine area that we kept all of our explosives in was in the timber. It was about a mile from the, from the highway. And we were out doing some stuff. And we, we always mushroom hunt and everything while we're going up to the mag site. And one day uh, during the summer, um, it was, I guess, uh, early fall. Early fall, we were kind of looking around for some deer and elk tracks in the area. And we had four or five of us that all went out into the timber and were kind of looking around. And I had two of my buddies were wearing blue Carhartts with a black sweatshirt. The other one had a mossy oak, like, Walmart camo sweatshirt on. Um, I had another buddy that was in all black black Carhartt's black jacket and I had a guy in uh had a Sitka jacket on with blue Carhartt's and I was hanging back at the road in the pickup I was making a phone call or something these guys started walking through the brush and I was just paying attention to you know where they're at in the brush and they had got in probably I don't know 80 90 yards and it's pretty open timber but the first person that disappeared was wearing all black. It looked like he quit moving. Like, I, I ended up yelling at him all. I was like, hey, stop moving for a second, all of you guys. I want to look and see if I can find where you're standing. And the guy wearing all black, I never found him. And he was, I would say, probably 80 yards through the timber. I, he disappeared. Uh, the guys that I could see the blue Carhartts, they, they weren't, uh, they didn't stand out necessarily, but once I looked, I, I could see their leg structure. The mossy oak camo looked like a white sweatshirt when it got that far out. It was, and it wasn't faded that bad, but he stood out like a sore thumb. The Sitka jacket, now this was the the browner Sitka um, with a background of a lot of ferns and fir trees, but it was pretty open, uh, stood out like a sore thumb. And uh, you could see the entire body line of that Sitka jacket. And he was probably, I would say, 60 yards. And so... It started, you know, making me think of why, why did I have to, you know, call out to my buddy to tell him that he's in all black. Hey, wave your hand. And he waved his hand and I was not even looking in that direction of where he was at. Um, it, he disappeared. And so that kind of struck, struck me a little bit odd. 
as to why black disappeared before these camos did. Um, the blue jeans actually disappeared better than that mossy oak camo sweatshirt. It, it looked, it was a normal like real tree pattern or whatever, but it looked white the farther he got out. And I've got really good eyesight. So it's not like it's hindered or anything. And so I started looking into these different camo companies of, all right, with the area that I'm hunting, I want to find a camo that is going to break up those lines. So I had bought uh, Kuyu, Mossy Oak. We've got Treason, Camo, uh, Cryptic. I've got some Kings, I've got Badlands, Huntworth, some Multicam, and some Realtree. Uh, don't have any Sidka or the Atax or I think the Lost Camo. I don't have any of that. Um, or First Light. I don't have any of the First Light. So I took all of these and I went... And put them on a tree line. I mean, not like in the back of the yard tree line. And uh, step back to where I could look and see which one broke up those lines the best. And even asked a couple of my buddies, hey, let's, let's look and see. You take down from 10, you know, the number 10 to the best, you know, worst to best. Which one is making the body lines disappear? Uh, to where you cannot see, and I laid them out flat to where the arms were out, and uh, so you could totally see where the arms and the the body would be at in these in these garments. And that is the reason that I hunt with cryptic. Cryptic disappeared, completely disappeared. I could not. It looked like uh, I didn't lay down. A, a section of camo that I had spread out. And that is why I am using that. Now, the trees in camo did a really, really good job of disappearing, but it has a little bit of a shine to it. Like, I don't know if it's the material or whatever, but it has this little bit of a glossy look to it to where I was able to pick it out. And it's not the most comfortable. Uh, it's not waterproof. It's comfortable. It'll keep you warm, but you, you're going to be soaked to the bone in it. And so when I when I bought the Cryptic, it's 100% waterproof to where I've never even, I mean, not even soaked through on the elbows or anything like that walking that through the brush. The what? The fluffy kind that you that new one that I bought, yeah. I absolutely, for like winter, those ones seem to be like comfortable as far as like what material they have inside. Yeah, because it's a four-way stretch, but it, inside it literally has like a sheep inside. It's <laughs> it crazy. so comfortable. It is, they're warm, you know, and I have different layers from early season all the way to late season. You have to. Yeah, uh, you have to. Especially where we live. I mean, when our when our hunting season starts in September, it's it could be in the seventies, and then going until December, 
you're looking at, you know, 30s. But or then, lower. Or lower, yeah. But then I think the coldest time for not necessarily hunting deer or elk, but for uh, duck hunting. Duck hunting, yeah. That is your most layered. Obviously, you're out on the water half the time when we go into the water, especially around December, January. We're time, breaking ice. We're breaking ice. Uh, we're literally breaking ice with our boat. Um, and because of me, we have to have a little heater in the boat. I've always got a camo blanket on hand uh, for duck cotton season. Um, we do a lot of boat hunting now i mean we yeah. used to be nothing but you know pack out the blind and sitting in the water and yeah i mean we're doing depends. more boat stuff now it depends on where you go you know uh your areas that you hunt but that is the most time where you need to be the most covered because duck are freaking so intelligent it's ridiculous no, they they're see. Not, they're not intelligent. They're okay, well, they're fucking dumb. They they see movement. Yeah, they see movement, but they're flying over top, and they you don't have to worry about smells with the bird. No. So, it just it just depends on. It, duck hunting is a whole different aspect that I'm not even going to get into. Yeah, but I'm just talking about being covered up uh, as far as like your warmthness and also. Your but I run different camo for duck hunting than I do big game. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm running a completely different camo pattern to where True. I'm I'm hunting in an area that is either right on the water or it has a specific type uh, type of that changes foliage the too. Foliage that it's really light in the early season and then gets really dark in the late mm -hmm. season because of the amount of rain that we have um the, these dry grasses and stuff start to soak up water and turn really really dark brown versus light brown and tans so that also goes into effect of all the different patterns that we have to have but for but for duck hunting itself you could wear the same exact pattern the entire time matter of fact it has nothing to do with your camo clothes besides staying warm and dry. Mm -hmm. I could wear my fishing waders that are silver duck hunting as long as the blind is legit. Yeah. it's That's all it is. You're, I mean, these ducks, as long as there's no movement and they don't see that, that's fine. But when it comes to your hunting uh, of big game... These these camo brands are totally one hundred percent trying to, and it's marketing, but it's you're they're trying to get the consumer to buy the camo like anybody is, but they're creating I think like a false uh, or a faux pas. That if you wear this camo, you're going to be more successful. And that is a complete bullshit. Um, and like next year, I should do it. I should go buy all red plaid, like a red plaid sweatshirt or pullover jacket and hunt in my black car hearts. And I guarantee that if I do the groundwork and do my scouting and everything, I'm going to be... A hell of a lot more successful 
than somebody that is spending a thousand dollars on their Sidka shit to go out on a weekend hunt a couple of weekends in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I really don't think it has anything to do with uh, the camo. And this this is kind of what sparked this whole thing. Um, we were gonna go pheasant hunting. And for modern this year, obviously you have to wear bright orange or bright pink in in Washington State. Um, And Sitka is selling a vest, a hunting vest, that is camo on the top, but it's pretty much all orange. It's like a pheasant vest. And it's got some extra pockets and stuff like that, but the material isn't any things special at all and they want $299 for a friggin hunting vest that has orange on it to where you could go say to Walmart and buy the same vest that's just brown and orange with the same pockets for 29 bucks are you going to tell me that that orange Sitka jacket or vest is going to make you more successful at hunting upland game than that Walmart one is. I think it is uh, a completely bullshit agenda that these camo companies are coming up with to try to be this elite uh, brand. And the only reason that's that or only thing that's elite about it is the price. That you have to you have to buy a premium or pay a premium uh, for these certain clothing manufacturers. Now, I know where all of these clothes are being made. I have seen the factories um, where these manufacturers, and they're all offshore, are going through to make these uh, garments to be sold now in these factories they don't have any of the manufacturers tags on them until they get to the u.s but they're being built sewn stitched i mean from the ground process overseas and a buddy of mine went directly to these manufacturers across the pond and said, hey, I want two of everything, jackets, two pullovers, two sweatshirts, two t-shirts, two pairs of pants, uh, lightweight, two heavyweights, two medium weights, and this size, what would you charge me? Now this is, this brand of clothing is one of the top brands. I'm not going to say who it is, but it's one of the top, top brands. And they made all of these garments for him without the tags and sold it to him for about 300 bucks. You sew those tags on and buy that here, you'd have been probably three grand, easily three grand, having 
four or five different jackets, um, the, the sweatshirts, T-shirts, six pairs of pants. Like, we all know that three grand's probably even a little bit light on some of these elite camo brands, I guess you'd call them. So, the, the uh, inflated mattress prices of this camo is, is crazy. Um, I've seen what it is just from dealer dealership cost to uh, MSRP or even their map pricing, their, their minimum advertised pricing. Um, when there's 60-70% markups on some of these, there's absolutely no reason for it. And figure I would, I guess, bring a little bit of awareness. I know everybody talks about it. Um, I mean, everyone's going to do their own thing no matter what. Yeah, 100%. And this is no, just my take on it. Yeah, there's no reason in spending thousands of dollars. Because, I mean, if you want to think about it, you know, you can go hunting is an expensive sport. Any hobby is. I mean, any hobby is, yeah. Um, but... We just believe you shouldn't have to go shithole deep in your pockets for clothing when it's not always necessary. No, there's better alternatives. That are way cheaper. That are way cheaper. That, that <laughs> I mean, the garment does the exact same thing. Now, one thing I will say that I'm not going to skimp on there's something you shouldn't, and there's something you should. There's there's certain things that I don't care uh, who the manufacturer is, and I, I'm not going to skimp on those on those products to maybe find a cheaper alternative, um, and that is footwear. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Boots. When, when you're putting a lot of miles on boots and you're walking a lot of uphill, downhill, we all know in the Pacific Northwest what the terrain is like. Um, I, I have always, you know, worn my Danners pretty much until they have, you know, 900 holes in them and, uh, you end up with trench foot every day that you go hunting because they're soaked. They're comfortable, and they'll keep your feet warm, but they're soaking wet. And I've, I have went and bought uh, the Danner hunting boots that were 100% waterproof. That was, a, that was absolutely bullshit. Um, I stepped into a puddle. I put them on, wore them out of the shop, stepped in a puddle in the parking lot, and it soaked my sock. Like... These boots hadn't been worn for more than a hundred yard walk and soaked right through. And they were supposed to be a hundred percent waterproof. So I've, I've, I've bought lots of pairs of boots trying to find the right ones. And, uh, this year I finally bought a, uh, with a lot of research between Krispies and Kinetrex, I bought a pair of the Guide Extreme Kinetrex that have the 400 gram thinsulate in them. And I will tell you right now, they are 100% waterproof. Um, I have been within about an inch of the top of the boot and been standing there for 15, 20 minutes 
and not a bit of moisture ended up in the boot. Uh, my feet don't sweat in them. They're super, super comfortable. Matter of fact, I wore them today just because they're a comfortable boot to wear. Um, but that is one one area that I will not skimp on uh, maybe looking for a cheaper product that is similar. Now, when it comes to the hunting stuff, I would put my cryptic up against any one of these other manufacturers and it has the four or five way stretch it's a hundred percent waterproof don't get wet i stay warm even when it's blowing sideways and i've gotten pretty damn close to animals and them trying to look and they cannot figure out and i'm walking at them so they see the movement but they can't tell what it necessarily is um, until they just feel, you know, like, well, something's not right. I'm going to, you know, whether they wind you or, or what. Now, I do agree that when it comes to scent in these camos, um, that you shouldn't be using the same camel that you went out on the town with Saturday night and sprayed cologne on it or some kind of smell good and then go hunting in it because that stuff is never going to wash out of it. And uh, whether it's aftershave or, or whatever, I've, I've been with guys that I'm like, what in the hell is that smell? Like, you're like, oh... Well, I don't know. You know, it might be aftershave or something. Like, why do you have aftershave or cologne on when we're going hunting? Like, nope. Not happening. Don't spray yourself before you go poop or after you go poop in the morning. <laughs> yeah, don't. Uh, <laughs> like. To where a lot of the guys, they'll use a nose jammer, which is a, a scent elimination that it's not a, it's a masking scent, but they'll use nose jammer after they take a shit in the bathroom or something to but that's something that you're also going to use out in the woods as a cover scent um well, the best thing is just to light a damn match um <laughs> yeah but, at this point <laughs> but definitely when you're you're elk and deer hunting bear hunting cat hunting they're, they're going to smell you regardless so the best thing is to, you know, to try the scent elimination, but always have something that you can also cover up to try to mask it even more. When it comes to bird hunting, turkey, upland, waterfowl, birds don't smell. I mean, you could smoke a cigarette in the blind and turkeys will walk in if they don't see you. Like, they, they're not going to smell it. Um, same with waterfowl. As long as there's no movement in the blind and you've got a good distraction in your decoys or, or what have you, um, you'll be really, really successful at, at duck hunting too. Um, but there's – this really just breaks down to 
there's a lot of these camo manufacturers, camo patterns, brands, however you want to name it, that if you're not wearing them, then you're not considered an elite hunter. And I, I really think that that is completely 100% bullshit. And that's the marketing that these camo manufacturers you could probably buy a lot of advertisement and marketing when you're selling $300 vests. Um, and people are buying them because you see everybody wearing them. And uh, total hunting groups that are head to toe in these camos. Um, and every single person in that hunting camp is wearing the same exact pattern. Um, and I, I just think that it's more of a social status um, for a lot of these guys and a little bit of false hope that they're going to be more successful because they're wearing what these professional hunters with hundreds of thousands of dollars in a full production team are hunting in and they see them being successful so that means that if you wear that camo you're going to be more uh, successful and I've seen it all the way with the bow manufacturers. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't even really necessarily want to get into that. But uh, you take these top guys on TV, and what are they shooting? And you will have, I bet you, 70, 80% of the people that come into the shop have literally said, hey, I want to check out what so-and-so is shooting. I want to shoot that bow. That's the bow that I want to shoot. And it's like, well, why, why do you want to shoot that one? Well, I seen what he kills, and that would, help. A, that would help me out. There's a lot that goes into that, too, because, I mean, these, these people are being sponsored by these big-name companies obviously to promote their equipment and also going out to these lands that like you said before there's more than one man out there scouting putting in the time and the effort i know to make these hunt work i know a lot of out. these guys that hunt in a totally different clothing to than what they're sponsored in but once they kill and the pictures that you see are they're of them, all their yeah. Equipment. They're changing all their clothes into what their sponsorship is to make sure that those posts or those photos are of them, quote unquote, killing it in those uh, brand or manufacturer of clothing. When I have seen firsthand that these guys are not wearing that during the entire friggin' hunt. But when it comes time to kill, then they got to throw on their jacket and their pants and boots and, and completely change into what they feel is not even comfortable to it's make sure that the manufacturer is happy because they're getting buku dollars well, that is, from these from these sponsorships. And to me, it, it's like when you're watching these shows and stuff like that. No, I'm not saying every one of them are like this. No, no. But it's like the freaking Hollywood of hunting. In all reality. Because they're changing their appearance. They're putting on a show. Yeah. To 
up these brands of not just clothes, but th their equipment, the all the little accessories that they use, um, all that stuff. Their, you know, arrows, their quivers. I mean, their broadheads, all that stuff. Um, they are being paid to sponsor these to push sales, and we get it a hundred percent. Like we know we, the game. We've we have firsthand knowledge in this. I mean, yeah, we have filmed. Um, and and been sponsored by these manufacturers um, to to do this exact thing. Um, we have film that has aired on TV. We've had uh, fishing trips. I mean, you name it. They they have been filmed, and that uh, those manufacturers that had those sponsorships, we were told before any pictures were posted or during the filming process that we need to be in that attire and then the whole rest of the hunt we could change back to our normal clothing and and do our whole thing we would kill our animals harvest our animals whatever and then we would have to switch back over to take pictures with all these manufacturers to make sure that the labels were out and that we're in the right pants and and everything is good for like a professionally done photo that then these manufacturers can use and say, yeah, these guys are successfully hunting under our brand and they were only successful because they were wearing or using our brand of, of whatever. When a hundred percent, it was nothing that we were wearing or using that that contributed to us being successful um i was using i had the same bow was running different arrows uh i had the same broadheads totally different clothing different boots um i'm trying to think of uh what i had so the only thing that was legit that I was using at the time was the same bow manufacturer and broadheads, but I wasn't even using the same bow that I took the pictures in. My hunting bow that I normally used at that time was a couple years old, but I was taking all these pictures with the brand spanking new bow that was set up but was strictly there to take pictures with and not use because one, it, it wouldn't even go to my draw length or poundage that I needed for the arrows and everything that I was shooting. So it was a complete uh, manufactured photo. Oh, 100%. You know, and that that's how it was. And I know, I mean, I'll break the ice on it. I don't care. It's, Nobody owns me. Nobody can tell me what to uh, what to say or do, and therefore, I I think I need to pass it along. And that's um, that's what we've always been a pretty good pretty good shop for that. To where if somebody really wants to know the ins and outs of a company that we've dealt with, I will give you one hundred percent the truth about. Whatever you're asking, if I know it, I'm not going to make anything up about them. But I, 
I, I will tell you the experiences, good or bad, of, of what we've had with these different manufacturers and, and whatnot. And so it, uh, it just it comes down to what you want to look like and how, how you want to be trade. How do you want to portray be, yourself? Yeah, portray yourself in the woods. Um, or when you come across another hunter, is he automatically going to think, oh, shit, man, he's, he's really got it together. And maybe he knows what he's talking about more because he's got the latest and the greatest and the best and the highest priced. And, man, I have ran across a hundred of those guys, and they couldn't hunt their way out of a wet paper bag. And four, five, six years without even – without being successful – and their tactics and, and everything about it is so flawed. But I'm not going to judge them for that. I, I will give the tips if I know. Um, if I can do something to help them out, I would definitely do that. The first, pretty much the biggest instance that comes to mind is duck hunting. <laughs> um, for the guys that are really close to us, know that I started this whole venture making duck, goose, and predator calls. It was talking smack game calls. That's where the TNS came from. Uh, it was supposed to be talking shit, but that's not necessarily PC. So, talking smack game calls was where I started everything making calls, handmade calls in my garage and uh, I was a big waterfowler still am a, a big avid waterfowler and I if you're going to make calls you're going to know how to run calls and I'm I'm very very good with duck calls elk calls um, and I am 100% self-taught but it's from hours and hours of listening to all the different types of, of ducks, all the different types of elk, whether they're a raghorn Roosevelt or a Booner, uh, what am I, <laughs> I just dropped like, uh, Rocky Mountain, uh, GB Christmas, uh, yeah, I really know what I'm talking about here, um, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of different calls back and forth, and it's every year 15, 20 times I've called hunters within eyesight of me because they swore up and down that I was a bull. It was totally realistic. Now, I have some special tactics that I use that aren't your across-the-market bugle tubes. I'll tell you right now, I run Phelps Game Calls. I'm 100% I'm pleased with their call line, and it does everything that I could ever want it to do. I have tried a few different manufacturers, and Jason has got that shit locked down. He did a very, very good job, and I, I I will commend him and his whole group that it took to do this. 
Um, I mean, I, I know Jason is a relation to me and through the family, and I know how much hard work he put into that. And his calls, um, now being owned by Steve uh, Ranella, but still, you know, in the game together, they are phenomenal. And that's why he has been so damn successful. It's because they're very, very realistic. It gives you the opportunity to be a realistic. Yeah, I'm uh, with that being said, I don't, I, I do have his bugle tube that I run, but that is not my necessarily go-to one because I have found one that I made myself that sounds more realistic to me and it does not give off that hollow plastic sound. Um, there's no hollowness to it. And when you listen to an elk realistically, it doesn't sound like it's coming out of a uh, road cone or a plastic bat or something like that. It, it sounds a little bit more raspy or a little bit more realistic. And the tube that I'm using um, gives it that. And it's, it's a lot, it's a more flexible and a lot denser material. And so the sound waves aren't bouncing off of the inside of the tube as much. It's being wavered because it is fluted, but it's absorbing into the wall and not giving it that hollow sound. And it has worked phenomenal for me. Not saying it's going to work phenomenal for anybody else, but it works good for me. But it sounds super realistic. And without changing reeds, I can go from a raghorn bull to a mature bull and back and forth. So I can make it sound like there's multiple bulls there. Um, the biggest thing is just remembering what those bulls sound like the first time you sound off and keep recreating that. If you're if you're throwing off a couple of different sounds, you don't want to, your bugle to be different every single time, and then at the end of a half hour calling session, the elk or other hunters are like, "Man, there's 35 different bulls up there on the hill." You don't want that. You you want a raghorn and you know your your satellite bull. You want a, a bigger mature bull, and you have got to keep those in the same sound realm with each other the entire time you call. So it's a lot of consistency, whether you sound small or big. And uh, it works well for me. Now, is that going to up your successfulness? in your hunt, being able to imitate these animals realistically, 100%. If anybody has ever coyote hunted, you know that coyote have phenomenal nose, eyes, and ears. To be a very successful predator hunter, you have to be able to sound realistic, 
not be seen. And hopefully you can get them within uh, target range before they smell you. So if you can uh, do all three of these, you will be successful. Practicing, obviously practice, 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 practice. Michaela, it drives her absolutely bonkers when I get on a kick of, hey, I'm going to practice my calls, whether it's in the house. It's always when I have a migraine or a headache. It never fails. Well, with women, that's like every other day. Oh, so. Gosh. But, okay, with, and with that being said, it's funny because with our kids, they will find anything and everything to try to make a call out of. Oh, yeah, they could take the vacuum hose. <laughs> they could take a radiator hose. I mean, they grab a piece of PVC pipe and oh, they're no, trying no. to bugle out of it. Our daughter sent us a video the other night. Uh, I don't even know what she was using. It was, was like it a these, hula hoop? It or? was like these tubes that like pull apart and everything. Oh, and like, the... She was so excited to send us a video of her blowing into this tube because it sounds like an elk call. And um, it did sound like a raghorn bull. It, like, it did. It was funny. Yeah. So they're, like, they're getting pretty good at it. There's so many different things that you can use that you could find. Beyond the sun. You don't have to have the best of the best. You just got to find what works best for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, Mackenzie's 11, Silas is 6, and they're already doing more <clears throat> on the call side. And it's, it's because of me calling they hear me calling um and they all love to drive me nuts they, so. yeah yeah so <laughs> it, it it is cool that these young kids are so driven into more or less you know trying to sound like dad and that brings yeah. us right back into these these hunting personalities are considered dad or God, and everybody's trying to replicate it. And uh, I'm not saying that you're not going to be successful if you buy Sitka clothes. Let me 100%. I'm not going to say that because I know guys that wear it that are very successful. They like it. Hey, good for them. There's there's nothing wrong with that. I will pitch them shit and be like, oh, the Sidka guys are here, you know, and it's it's all in good fun. We're all in this together. Um, I'm not going to individually bash on you for wearing the clothing um, unless we're at the sportsman show. And it's friggin' three out of five guys that walk by oh, in, their, <laughs> in their Miss Me jeans and square-toed Ariots with a damn Sitka jacket and... <laughs> Yeah. Well, with that being said, too, I mean, if I was to spend the damn money, that money, on a jacket that's that's expensive, I'd wear that shit every day and get Absolutely my money. Absolutely not. Not. <laughs> I mean, that's you, it. but not me. I don't I want. Know. I don't I'm want that saying, thing to like, go through everyday wear and tear. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. To potentially get ketchup down the front of it that you can't get out of it, or. Uh, a rip or a tear or something like that like that hunt, my hunting clothes yeah um i i do have a, a cryptic jacket that i throw on to go to football games and stuff 
Um, I have my guide wear stuff that I have worn when it's super rainy and, and it, I need to be warm to go out in public. But it's not something that, oh, I cannot leave tonight to go to the casino without my cryptic, you know. Like, are you kidding me? It, I don't know. Some people's kids, let me tell you. And I know there's uh, I know there's a lot of guys that are going to hear this and they'll be like, they're going to send me messages about, God, why you got to bash on Sitka so hard? And I'm, I'm bashing on the marketing and the branding that has caused such an influx of people to wear it. I'm not bashing on the individual guy that's buying it because they're – it's it's no different than me liking the cryptic. They like the Sitka, and uh, I guess they want that social status of being better hunters in their mind. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna pitch a shit about it. It's that's all it is. It's nothing personal, um, but that's just how I am. So take it or leave it. That's my opinion on it. Um, I know that we're kind of wrapping up here. So it's supposed to be a quick one today, and we're still rolling on 57 minutes. So, um, never fails. Never fails. We've got uh, a couple things coming up here. Uh, we got three weeks technically left of our Vegas shoot, and then January 3rd. January 3rd, we are going to start our brush league. That is 3D Brush League and Techno combined. So half of your score will be from Techno. Half of it will be from the 3D Brush. Um, and we're going to shoot that out, I believe, for four weeks. Possibly five weeks. Um, through January. And then we'll clean all the range up. So these guys can get in, you know, dig in for the last couple of weeks um, to practice before they go to Vegas and, and do the shoot down there. Um, and I will, I think we're going to open up that right side of the range on the other side of the techno uh, for the guys that do want to come throw around or practice whatever uh, for Vegas in the meantime to be able to, you know, stay on task. And you guys better, you better all be blank bailing. Uh, that's uh, that's number one. Um, Let's do our, our end of the end of the talk segment. What's what? What is the end of the talk segment? Mm, what's that smell? Oh. Well, right now we're cooking something up tonight, but last night Michaela had to cook her own meal. And I don't like cooking. If you if you've noticed, yeah, you should always notice, find a girl from the south that doesn't know how to cook or clean. That's always a good thing. <laughs> I can do it. I just choose not to. Um, no, but um, in all seriousness, um, I really hate cooking. And there's like my one favorite that I did last night, which is super simple and easy: um, broiling my steak in the oven. We like I'm I've come to known of like Zach's mind of just th throwing shit together, whatever's in the freezer as far as sauces and everything. And last fridge. night, fridge, sorry, 
last night mine was really good. I don't remember what all I, I think I had like a little bit left of my like ginger barbecue sauce that I threw in there to mix my like normal up and it was really good. Like I I it was so good I had grilled cheese. Uh, no, uh, you should have grilled it because you were on the truck. No, stuff. I. Uh, Had yeah, to do some work on the truck, so I cooked my own dinner while you were out. Yeah, I. You guys all know I'm I'm Ford through and through, and man, the brakes on these goddamn Ford pickups piss me off. Um, I. Shut up, Shut the <laughs> hell up. Um. Yeah, they never. You know their brakes never go out because they don't run. So, um, the uh, yeah, I'm just quick. Um, people are calling and they're sending me messages. Uh, when we all went down to Grants Pass, I had a brake seize up, and so had to leave the pickup in Portland. Um, and Meineke had to replace a caliper and brake on the on the left front. On the real though. And that's, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to get into that. Um, And then here, I mean, I put a lot of miles on the pickup for hunting season. I beat it up really bad. But I had a right front seize up here like last week. So got a caliper and brakes. Rotor looked good. Fixed that. Literally was pulling it out of the garage, and I'm like, what is that sound? Well, a back brake that I didn't notice because of the front one season up. So last night, I bought new pads. Hopefully not to buy new calipers, because they are fairly new. I replaced them last summer. And then come to find out that the calipers were good, but it had absolutely toasted my rotor so new rotors brakes on the rear last night and uh that's why michaela cooked for herself because a 20 minute job of putting in new brake pads uh turned into a two hour job of switching rotors and and uh everything so yeah the brake system on these damn ford pickups oh my god they pissed me off but we're all back to normal now, I guess, until the next caliper seizes. It's like I'm getting eight months out of a damn caliper. So, um, But the logging roads and the woods roads, they, they're hard on pickups. And I'm pulling the boat 150, 200 days a year um, on top of hunting and, and yeah, it's just, it's rough on brakes and everything. So, uh, don't be surprised if you're driving a Ford pickup, which all you should, you know, cause Ford's the best, um, that you're going to have brake caliper rotor pad issues. If you have it, you will. Um, every Ford pickup I've had has, has had that issue, but it still runs good. But, all right. Well, with that being said, we are out of here for today. We'll probably jump back on another one Friday um, and and go from there. If you guys have any specific topics or anything that you want us to touch base about, or if you just want us to have a funny or lighthearted conversation about something, definitely message, text me, let me know, and uh, we'll we'll put something together. 
So maybe a little comedy hour. We'll just sit here and look at Michaela. That's oh, that's enough up. of a. <laughs> so, all right. Thanks again for listening to the TNS Outdoors podcast, Outfitters podcast, and uh, we will. Well, I guess what is today? Wednesday or Thursday? Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. So hopefully you guys have a good hump day, and we will see you back on Friday.